The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hello and welcome to this Stockhead podcast. I'm your host, Peter Strachan. Western Australia's Briar Basin has received a lot of exploration attention over recent years. Way back in the day, Esmeralda discovered the Horseshoe Lights gold and copper deposit, and then more recently, Sandfire shined a big light on the region with its high-grade De Grusa and Monte VMS copper and gold deposits. Today, we're pleased to welcome Neil Marsden to Stockhead. Now, Neil is the Managing Director of Briar Resources, which as the name suggests, has a large strategic position in the basin. So welcome, Neil. Can you give us a potted history of Briar's involvement in exploration in the region? Yes, good morning, Peter. Uh, Briar Resources has been uh, listed on the ASX for just over three years now, and uh, we, we formed ourselves back in 2017 with a portfolio of ground um, our frag- flagship project is up in the Briar Basin, uh, as you mentioned. Uh, we started off with about 700 square k's of ground there. We've been able to actually acquire additional ground and we're sitting at just under 1,200 square k's of ground or mineral rights under our um, tenure. And basically, yes, the, the thing that appealed to me and uh, the team that uh, put this together was the opportunity to find another De Grusa style or horseshoe light style um, copper gold deposit in the area. Um, I previously had been involved with um, a number of companies on horseshoe lights when it was in production back in uh, the late 80s and early 90s and uh, and subsequent to that. And I always thought it was a, an amazing deposit. Uh, started as a gold mine uh, with a super gene copper uh, cap sitting beneath the gold zone and then a a massive sulphide uh, zone below that, which was mined, and it was a very rich gold deposit, very similar to the open pit at uh, Sandfire's De Grusa. So when Sandfire made their discovery in 2009 at De Grusa, they were actually testing a gold uh, anomaly, uh, and as they drilled a bit deeper, they got into uh, some massive sulphides, and the rest is pretty much history there. So, so we saw that there was certainly synergies uh, in the area with a lot of the uh, the area of ground we had under our control. And so uh, that's what we've uh, formed the company on and that's still our primary focus. So, Neil, that's right. The uh, the geology there makes uh, geologists salivate. It's, uh, it's all very exciting. Right. And you've been doing quite a bit of geochemistry and then following up with geophysics and structural work. How's that been going and driving your uh, your focus? Peter, when we first got hold of the ground back in uh, 2017, I got a, a geologist who had done some work uh, up in that area f- for a number of companies, including um, uh, working for myself earlier, uh, a guy named Michael Althwaite from Model Earth. Uh, and he's a very uh, competent geologist. He was uh, pivotal in, um, in Breaker Resources' discovery of their deposit at uh, Bombera. And, and Michael went up in 2017 before we actually did uh, the IPO and came back and, and was uh, glowing in his uh, descriptions of the potential of the area. And his advice to us was very much about, well, we've got a large package of ground here. Let's try and put 80% of our 
funds into uh, 20% or less of the ground. So, so let's develop an exploration strategy around uh, finding these um, horseshoe light style deposits. That's what we're looking for. Horseshoe Lights has got a fairly large alteration cell and geochemical footprint from uh, the work that was done before uh, the mine was opened up in the 80s. And so uh, we knew that if we went in there and did some good uh, sound uh, soil geochemistry, uh, looking at very um, uh, critical pathfinder minerals, if we uh, picked up some anomalism there, um, that combined with some good uh, geophysics uh, should lead us to, to hopefully a discovery. So. So we certainly hit the ground with um, a 500 by 500 metre grid uh, sampling program over as much of the area as we could. And uh, fortunately, we got a, a significant uh, antimony arsenic selenium anomaly at an area called Windalar. We went back and did some more sampling to confirm that, uh, which it was. And we've been uh, targeting in on that ever since with uh, some interesting results to date. So, Neil, I'll come back to that in a minute, but um, while you were there, and I think uh, uh, pre, pre your arrival in the basin, others had found a shallow, uh, quite high grades of manganese in the area. Now, I know that the companies uh, had an offer of $5 million for those manganese assets, which the board is currently considering, but can you tell us a little bit about the use of manganese and its current market outlook, which might influence Briar's decision on what to do with those assets. Yes, Peter, as I've, I've told story to a lot of people in the past, I was up on site a week after we listed and was standing on the Horseshoe Range, which is uh, uh, part of our tenure, and uh, just trying to get a mobile phone signal and saw some dust and commotion um, not far away, which was um, the Horseshoe Flats being opened up. That's a, a shallow manganese deposit, which... Traditionally, all the manganese in the Briar Basin has been pretty much within the Horseshoe Range, um, as you say, uh, super gene, higher grade material at the surface, pretty much close to the, um, the top of the range, and then it's uh, a lot of it's remobilised down the down slope uh, to become secondary mineralisation, and that's what uh, the fellows at Horseshoe Flats were mining. So it, uh, it made us think, well, if uh, someone can open up a small pit there and make some good money, perhaps we should be uh, having, a, having a look at this. Uh, so we embarked on a bit of reconnaissance work, uh, was able to pick up the old Horseshoe South uh, manganese mine, which had been in operation uh, with mineral resources from 2008 to 2011, and started to actually identify that there was... a a lot more manganese floating around in the area than perhaps uh, a lot of people had actually fully understood. Um, and not long after we put out some results on just soil sampling or rock chip sampling um, results, um, we got uh, a phone call from OM Holdings, who are a very big manganese player. Yeah. Uh, they are active in the region doing, uh, or globally, they're one of the biggest players uh, for manganese. And so we, um, uh, we were able to establish a joint venture with them. Yeah, I think they're in the Northern Territory as well, aren't they? That's Northern right. They've got the Butu, Yeah, they've got the Butu yeah. Creek running um, at the moment. That's uh, on a bit of a, um, a short uh, timetable for uh, running out of uh, in situ ore. So I know they'll be uh, tailings, uh, running a tailings retreatment project for a while after that. But um, so they're looking. Um, I don't think it's any secret. They're looking at uh, sort of finding 
new sources of manganese ore out of Australia uh, to replace um, what's coming out of Butu Creek in the future. So, And also, also yeah. providing, uh, because a lot of the world's manganese comes from South Africa, so there's a political risk with that. And of course, manganese is used very much in uh, construction steel manufacturing, isn't it? Yes, manganese is very much uh, a um, important and essential element in steel production. You can't actually make steel without using manganese, and uh, you know ninety odd percent of manganese goes into steel production. Uh, that's the uh, the market that drives the pricing on manganese ore uh, globally. Although it's got you know lots of uh, niche applications, and certainly it's a it's got a, a lot of future in the energy storage space as yeah, well, which is quite yeah, exciting. Yeah, but the, so the market is quite uh, obtuse and opaque, I should say. Um, and, and what's been happening to the price over the last 12 or 18 months? Look, uh, it's been uh, knocked around uh, quite a bit, uh, apart from a, a bit of a spike after uh, or during COVID last year when South African mines were shut down for about uh, two months and so there was a bit of uh, flurry around uh, the outlook on uh, sort of supply. It's been pretty flat apart from that. Uh, the prices have come off, uh, well, 2017-18, there was a big spike and it was jumping up trading around $7, $8 per dry metric ton unit. Um, it's pulled back. I think OM in their last quarterly report was saying that 44% uh, manganese landed in China was selling for about $4.21 per dry metric ton unit. So. Yeah. Um, and we're seeing iron ore demand has uh, been driven by, uh, you know, a few factors, but uh, global steel production continues to increase. That's trickling down into the ferro alloys, um, the manganese alloys market as well at the moment, but it hasn't uh, got down to uh, driving the manganese ore price. Um, there's a big stockpile of material sitting in China at the moment. And so you know, the outlook for manganese, I suppose, in the longer term is, uh, is that it'll sit around a $5 per dry metric tonne unit, um, US dollars, that is. Yeah. Um, but we're not seeing that at the moment. So um, I think there'll be a, a little bit of time required before uh, prices improve a bit. Yeah. So, uh, Neil, have you been able, has Briar been able to put a resource number around the mineralisation you've outlined so far? Uh, not yet, Peter. We've... Um, We've got some uh, drilling results. Uh, uh, well, we've got all the drilling results from the RC drilling we did uh, last year into our database. We've just uh, been doing some diamond drilling. Uh, we've just got some uh, SG work and, and and work around that side of things to allow us to to wrap up some mineral resource estimates. So we can expect to see those in the next uh, you know few weeks or months or so. Yeah. And you've you've also done some beneficiation work uh, where you've been able to sort of get it up to a, you know, from the sort of in situ grades in the mid to high high 30s, you know, up to a saleable grade. Yeah, look, we've done, uh, uh, OM did some initial work on some RC samples and also we did some ore sorting test work on some of the manganese stockpiles, which are on the old Horseshoe South mine. Um, they uh, generally, uh, the ore sorting brought uh, material up, uh, you know, in varying uh, ranges. Um, but look, we know from mineral resources, previous operations, they were running a DMS plant, dry, uh, dense media separation plant um, on Horseshoe South. Uh, they seem to be producing a reasonably good product. And uh, we expect that uh, you know, with that, uh, crushing and screening of some of the higher grade material or with some DMS or ore sorting, um, uh, producing in that 35 to 40% range is really the target. 
Yeah, and that was going out via Geraldton or where? Yeah, that was going out. Uh, actually, Minres were shipping out via Port Hedland, and um, that certainly is still an option uh, that we're looking at going forward. Although um, Geraldton is a closer port, uh, so your road haulage costs are a little bit uh, higher. Your shipping costs uh, coming out of Port Hedland, you usually can put stuff onto larger ships, so you uh, save money on the seaborne freight. Uh Neil, the, um, the main game probably, should the company accept this current offer, uh, it would see the company with $3 million up front and another $2 million over a subsequent four and a half years. How uh, would Briar plan to, or intend to deploy these funds over the coming years? You know, what would be your game plan for those permits? Yeah, Peter, uh, the... The, the the major uh, exploration effort for us will continue to be uh, in the Briar Basin. Um, down at Gabinintha, we've got a small resource there at a place called Tumblegum South, and we're, we're working with um, Adam and Resources, uh, who own the Kirkalocka Gold Mine, and, and there's an opportunity for us to, to do some more drilling there to get uh, that resource ready for mining um, and, and potentially processing through the Kirkalocka plant. Um, so there's some work that will need to be done on that. But um, I still think that our shareholders are invested in Briar for us to make a big copper gold discovery in the Briar Basin. And I think, you know, we've got two targets which really have whetted uh, my appetite and our investors' appetite. Windalar, as I mentioned earlier, where we've, uh, we've got that soil anomaly We've drilled it with RC and uh, air core drilling and, and confirmed that that uh, soil anomaly exists um, at depth. Um, and uh, we've, uh, we plan to go back and do a lot of work there. And then over at Mount Labashir, where we've got uh, intervals of uh, copper, nickel and cobalt from some drilling, which was ironically done uh, for manganese, but uh, they've shown up these other minerals uh, in, the, in the shallow drilling. Uh, we definitely want to go back and uh, test that. So um, we've got a, uh, a contractor book to go and do an airborne uh, drone survey, uh, aeromagnetic survey over Mount Labashir this month. Uh, that will give us a lot better um, geophysical data to sharpen up our understanding of the geology in that area before we uh, go and uh, finalise the positions of uh, some drilling there. But I, I'm really quite excited about the, that potential. It's got some... You know, it ticks some of the boxes on geology and, and stratigraphy. It's it's close to the, the the basin margin with the Bangamore Group, which is to the to the north, which is very much similar to Horseshoe Lights, which is uh, you know and only about four or five hundred meters uh, off the, the that basin margin, um, and it's also in the same sort of horizon as uh, Oris's uh, Wadger and uh, Forest Copper Gold uh, yeah, Copper Gold deposits to the south. Uh, so, um, yeah, Mount Labish is looking quite good. But um, over at, uh, back at Windalar, we'll be putting in some deep RC holes there. We want to get uh, a series of those holes down. Uh, I mean, the target area there is still quite large. Um, the, yeah, the target air, the area there is still quite large. It gives us the, uh, the opportunity to, to put some deep RC holes down there, case those, do some downhole geophysics. So we get the best chance of uh, finding where these uh, deposits are. I mean, Horseshoe Lights, the main ore body there is a couple of hundred metres long. Uh, there's a lot of uh, alteration around it. Um, 
but you know we're we're uh, hopefully uh, you know we can we can find one of these uh, similar to Gruiser or Horseshoe Lights high grade deposits and and everyone will be happy. It's a detective job, isn't it? I mean, when you look at the size of uh, of especially uh, the Monty deposit, I mean, it's tiny in terms of physical size. So it's a, you know it's sort of you know you're getting five, eight, ten percent coppers with you know ounces of gold with it. It's a, it's a very high grade. So it's a it's a you have to do the sort of detective work, and I think. Um, with the uh, the Briar Basin, there's plenty of precedents there, and you're onto something. But it's going to be a bit wet there, uh, Neil, over the next couple of weeks. So it might be a while before it dries out, and you can get uh, people and equipment onto site. Uh, yeah, look, it's it's uh, generally uh, apart from yeah moving drilling equipment around that 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 will be constrained because there's a couple of creeks we cross uh, or need to uh, ford, um, so we've got to be careful about when we do that, um, and that's one of the reasons where we're wedging this airborne uh, drone survey in in now because it gives us an op- it gives us an opportunity to to uh, do a bit more planning before we commit to, to drilling. Um, yep. uh, yes, you've always you've always got uh, problems with uh, the road access from the highway to Horseshoe Lights. It's about seventy k's of, uh, of generally uh, good quality unsealed road, but uh, uh, yes, you get uh, hundred mils or more rain uh, dumped in the area from uh, from a cyclone, and it makes uh, or, or something similar. It makes a uh, makes things very uh, different uh, and different overnight. Yeah, well, Kalgoorlie had 80 millimetres last uh, yesterday, so it mm. might, might be like that. So and I, you also mentioned Thumblegum, which I love the name Thumblegum, and, of course, that's just to the south of Dominion's old Gabonintha project and some very high grades I've noticed there, 10 sort of grams a tonne of gold and uh, quite a bit of copper associated with that. Uh, and and Briar's looking to monetize that uh, project. It's a, it's a small permit and you really it's a... Uh, it's a toll processing operation, which could just put a bit of dollars into the balance sheet. Is that the way the company's looking at it? Yeah, look, it's uh, it's only a seventy hectare um, area of ground which uh, the uh, the deposit sits on, and, and we we've been fortunate in the last twelve months. We've been able to generate a, a mineral resource there of six hundred thousand tons at two point two for about forty two and a half thousand ounces. Uh, that's pretty shallow, and uh, certainly the um, the drilling. Uh, indicates there's uh, gold and uh, and little bits of copper in that uh, right up to the surface. Uh, there's been some historical mining there. It's pretty hard to work out the exact figures. I was uh, looking at some historical data yesterday, and there's probably two or three thousand tons of material was pulled out at probably around an ounce a ton uh, from from what we can uh, discern. But um, yes, very similar to a lot of high grade um, gold deposits in the region. Uh, you've got a you know one to two meter uh, zone there, which is running at uh, almost an ounce to the ton, yeah. uh, and then a, a then a sort of zone uh, wider than that with uh, you know one to uh, whatever grams of gold beyond that. So, so it's looking it's shaping up quite well. Uh, it does need additional drilling, and uh, there's a permitting exercise we have to work through. We've actually been able to achieve what um, is probably pretty important and this is um, access to a plant um, you know all the gold miners at the moment have got a plant are running um, very very much flat out so uh, to actually uh, tie up with the Adamant team on their Kirkalocker deposit and basically have a window 
to process material through there, penciled in. That's um, that's a bonus. Neil, that's you've got a, a lot on your on your on your plate over the next uh, uh, couple of months, uh, mm. six months certainly, and uh, we'll wait and see what happens with the uh, the manganese assets, but. I think the copper gold focus, you're going to have more than enough to think about there and, and it'll be good to have that $3 million in the bank to uh, to progress with it. So thanks for coming in. And I think uh, we're going to be watching very closely over the next six months. And when the waters subside in the Briar Basin, we'll be able to get in there and, and see what uh, the drilling uh, throws up over the next uh, six months or so. So once again, thanks for coming in, Neil. Yeah, look, thanks, Peter. And thanks for your uh, your time today.